0: have more inspirational words been uttered anywhere by anybody i'm bobby corella from mavs.com joining me today is my best friend and also a really prolific roofer himself mike marshall
1: do you know where that actual quote came from i mean you know it's mj right you know i know it's michael the, jordan by the I, way hey hi bobby how are you
0: i'm good man i know the great one uh, spoke them it was at a
1: football pep rally. Yeah, on <laughs> UNC's home court at North Carolina with coach head coach Larry Fedora, who's way too jacked for like a 52 year old guy.
0: Was Harrison Barnes at that game, or
1: I don't think so. Okay, was I don't remember like, him being in attendance. Was but that post Barnes? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. This, okay. This was like maybe five years ago. Oh, okay. So Barnes was there. What, like six, seven, eight, nine? Ten. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. So there's a chance. Not good with numbers. I'm number blind. Oh wow, which just, is a problem I have. Yeah, introduce our friends. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, my
0: friend, Austin Garuya. Yeah, hello. I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm going? good. My I'm guy. good.
1: Thank you for joining us, Austin. And then also, my Dallas Observer said sports columnist of the decade or whatever Is it was. Is that true? You don't follow it's him not, very closely. It's not wrong. <laughs> no, he's
0: my friend. One of my, these best are t- friend.
1: <laughs> these are two of the guy. Yeah. Well, Mike's Can't my have
0: best. Have two best friends. Mike is my best friend. yeah. So. Many many best friends. That's you want to f- fight about it? You're best a friend of me. You're a good yeah. F- uh, best friend of me. You're the you're the best friend of me. I got. He is the athletics very own Tim Cato. Yeah That's yeah. Me. So Tim and Austin yeah, have been in. The, uh,
1: check this crap out. Best sports columnist. Our Tim Tim Cato. Wow.
0: Oh, were you the reader? Oh, you weren't the Readers' Choice. You no, were the publication Choice. No, no. So yeah, choice. not the Dallas Peoples Observer champ. gave that to
2: me. I, I think what happened is that they were tired of giving it to Bob Sturm every year. <laughs> yeah, and decided to give uh, you know, it's it's more of a charity effort. They than meant to else, give it to Bob, but, but yeah. they like pushed it was, the wrong. It was a clerk error. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> definitely, definitely. They 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 you know they had Bob and then they had Cato and it was you know one two and it was just it was yeah. the wrong button push. Ten
1: years from now, they're still giving it to you and they're like, ah, I yeah.
0: don't
2: know, Cato again. Yeah. But hey, I'll take it. I got some awkward photos out of of it, so uh, uh. you
0: know, well, boom! There you go. Congratulations, Tim. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so congrats. Tim and Austin are uh, part of basically the same generation. I, I got guess you, you a d- pin. You two are Mike, or maybe maybe Mike, you were there a year or two before us. But it feels like me and Tim and Austin all kind of came uh, came along around the same time. The Monte year, Tim. I think you were there one year before that. Austin, you might have been there the year, I think the year after, after the second Monte mm. year, the yeah. Rondo year. Yeah. So we were all kind of kind of cutting our teeth. No,
2: I'm old as hell. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah. It's I remember cool. being in the. I remember walking into the gym and seeing Bobby. Did not know he was Bobby at the time, and I was like, "That guy looks around my age," which, yeah. is, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. At the time, that, that was more weird. I, I think, you know, as as we hang around the team, it seems like everybody around us gets younger and younger. Been but, a youth wave, yeah. I feel, over the last maybe
1: five years. Yeah. and Mavs coverage, we, it's, it's to reflect what's been going on
0: uh, on the floor. It's a mm-hmm. Good transition. Yeah. The media's been rebuilding. I yeah. do feel it's like we're podcasting.
1: I do feel like we're podcasting with a failed boy band, though. Like you're you're the you're the straight lace guy, bad boy, probably lead singer. And I'm Tim the is one. the bad boy. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Tim's Tim's not. a bad boy.
2: I'll, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that on him. Feel like Dallas Observer d- did not give me that award specifically, but um.
3: I mean, you pulled up in shorts to a podcast. So. <laughs> it yeah. that has bad boy rum all <laughs> You dressed right, for dude. the podcast. Yeah. With
2: your little Travis
0: Scott t-shirt. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great stuff. All right, gentlemen, so you know the deal. we've, uh, we've talked of us. We've talked to you about why we're here for about 30 seconds before we started recording, so you should know by now. This is part two of 20 questions, which really is more like 23 questions, because we got, we got a few hey, bonus no, questions. no, it's a round number. Okay, it's, 20 questions. It's a questions. nice
1: round number.
0: 20 questions. Last week... We did uh, 20 through 11, Uh me, Mike, and the great Mark Folliwell. Yeah. And we decided to do it even bigger for week two, for part two.
1: It's got to be like Terminator 2. It's got to be better than the original. Oh,
0: it's way bigger, way better. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Can't wait. We brought Tim and Austin in. Uh, This morning, the Mavs, I'm going to say the Mavs probably beat Philly by at least 35. 100. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that was 100. in Beijing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a li- they scored 100 or l- outscored. No, them, they beat I'm Philly by 100 okay. this morning. I'm just okay. gonna call
1: that. So whenever this comes out, you'll know I'm right. Yeah, I'm a witch.
3: It's, it's crazy that Luca went for a 60-point triple-double. I can't that's believe nuts, it. It's
1: pretty wild. No, no one's done 60-40-20 before. Yeah, but that's just it. the Chinese
2: inflation. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. The conversion of the yin. Yeah, the yin, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> translate on a, on a one-to-one yeah. ratio. Numbers, so. that's why we have Ryan. That's why we have our guy Ryan. Oh, yeah. We can course. translate money. Yeah, Ryan's
0: over there and trying to make it happen, man. Yeah. He's giving Dirk the grand tour. They of, love uh, Dirk over there. They do. They do. <laughs> He's
1: out He's there it. signing for like 30 minutes every day. Yeah, it's crazy. Good for him. People in Shanghai love him.
0: Okay, so let's get right to it without further ado. Uh, we're going to start not with question 10, but with a uh, bonus question. So how this will happen you is I'll ask a question. We'll pass it around the table. Each of you will kind of give your, uh, your snap reaction and a little bit of reasoning, and then we can get into some nice hot sports debate. So, Austin, first question. Which Maverick
3: has the best chance to make an all-NBA team this season? I think it's pretty easy. I think it's DeAndre. Yeah, Uh, it's also the easiest to make it at the center position a lot less competition He's gonna thrive in recall offense. I also think he's gonna have like a a little uptick in his assists Uh, And I think he's really just gonna thrive here just because I think he's in a little better shape He was last year. Uh, I think he's a little rejuvenated. He's in a system that he fits in He has a very defined role and I think he's really gonna flourish and I think he's gonna be back to like his 2016 2017 level
2: yeah, it's 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 DeAndre. I mean, it's it's just. I think it's all, it's all about the nature of the All NBA, where the you know the, they the still do guard guard forward forward center, right? Correct, mm-hmm. correct. So the, the the way the format works, you know, uh, all of the LeBrons and Kevin Durant's and Giannis's get lumped into forward. You know, all the all the great guards, Stephen and Clay and, and Chris Paul and James Harden get lumped into guard. Um, at, at this stage, you know, Anthony Davis may make it as center. I, I think that um, I think he was a forward this la- this past year.
0: He Played power forward
2: technically. technically last year, but this year probably be playing. This center, year he may be more of a center. Um, we'll start booking. doing the Tim Duncan thing when they start right. listing him as a center. Yeah, right.
1: Why do you
0: think they signed Randall,
2: dude? Yeah, yeah exactly. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns and Minnesota's in a, in a weird state of flux. Um, you know, obviously there's there's players like Clint Capella and Jokic. And, and Jokic and Joe Rudy and Gobert. Gobert. And basically, DeAndre has to play, you know, outplay maybe either Rudy Gobert or Clint Capella. And you know, obviously, I, I don't think he's going to be the defensive player that either of those guys are. But maybe offensively, with this new offense around him, you know, he can just put up more numbers. So that just gives him a better chance to, to slide into the third team All NBA than, than any of the forwards or guards on the roster do.
1: So they do three teams for All NBA. Do they do three teams for defensive and like rookie? You just do, no, two. They just two. do two, right? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to say DeAndre is the obvious choice. You're all right? He's done it three times already. Um, with only one All Star appearance, which just seems weird. If you're an All NBA player, you should probably yeah. make an All Star team. But I don't know. I don't run that. Um, I think is a chance at all defensive team as well. If we want to expand this question a little bit, and then Luki make uh, Luki. I'm gonna start calling him Luki. Luca. Luca <laughs> making the All Rookie team. I think is a lock. Um, either first or second team. Um, if they did some weird old guy. NBA team, like 15-plus seasons. Dirk's first team automatically. He's going to have the best uh, 21st year of any player ever in basketball. And then uh, an all-bench team, I think, would be interesting if we want to start doing that on our own. Like first team (laughs) all-bench, second team all-bench. That would be pretty interesting. We'd have a lot of Mavs on that, I think. Yeah, JJ, the lifetime member. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: I think DeAndre, I agree with all of you guys, probably the best chance to make it an all-NBA team. But uh, am I crazy for saying that Dennis probably has the best chance to make the all star team
1: of the group, or do you think that that's can, would that get be DeAndre bumps. also? Yeah, the popularity is there. I think yeah. the, the flair is there, but I think that's an incredibly difficult position to make all star.
0: <laughs> it's tough, yeah, but on the all star team, the centers don't have the advantage of it just being centers. Yeah. It's
1: all just it's like big men, basically big men and, and little guys. Yeah, point guard's just really tough, man. It's so deep. Um, even if you narrow it down to just the West, it's exceptionally hard. But I, I think you're right. You're not wrong. I just yeah. think that, I just think it's one, and then number two is like you know a quarter mile down the road.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a nice warm up. Yeah. We ready to get to the real ones here? Question yes. number ten. Tim, we'll start with you on this one. Which rookie
2: on the Mavericks, not named Luka Doncic, will have the biggest impact? I mean, is it a cop out to say Jalen Brunson? I, th- I think this is probably going to be a uh, a relatively. Uh, he feels like he's like thirty five, doesn't he? It does. <laughs> it does. Um, he's a big head. His uh, I, I'm not the one saying that. His uh, Who's uh, Josh Hart told me this. That that, mm. that was that was that was the uh, the thing that they made fun of him for. Uh, in, in in college, he was uh, he was big head. He does so. kind of look
1: like a giant baby.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's Josh a smart Hart guy. said that too. He's got a large brain. He's a really smart guy. (laughs) Exactly. 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 But no, I I think that um, you know, I I was, I had gone back and forth on how big of a role Brunson was actually going to have, and I I think more and more that that he is actually going to really factor in this year. I I think it just makes sense that that when you look at the two backup guards, Berea and Harris, you know, those are the two primary, you know, uh, ball handling guards that that Dallas can go to. Uh, Both are, I think, thirty four and thirty five. There's going to be some injuries in there. There's going to be some, you know, just natural rest. Carlo already been talking about how he wants to make sure their minutes don't get too um, high up there. And, and given that, I think there's just a natural role for Brunson to, you know, th- that he's going to have to carry the, the load at some point as, as the backup point.
1: I mean, the dude's that old, a calf cramp is right around the corner, right? Calf right. strain. had dealt with it a lot the year before last.
2: Bray already has hamstring stuff too yeah. in right. training
1: camp. I, I think Brunson is exactly right. I'd love it if it was Costas or Ray Spalding. That would that bring some juice to the thing. Yeah. Those guys are pick-and-roll dynamos, I think, in the making. But uh, Jalen Brunson's the dude. He's going to get the most minutes. They're going to trust him the most. You know Rick uh, has a hankering for the three-guard lineup. Um, so I think Brunson's going to be the obvious answer because of the opportunity and because he's smart. <laughs> Honestly, he's not going to take a bad shot. He's going to stay on the floor. He's never going to get the quick hook um and he can make he can create his own shot i know he's not the most athletic like explosive crazy jump out of the gym type guy but dude can create his own look bully people into the lane knock down open threes there's a lot to like um i know he's not the dennis smith junior type popular guy but jalen brunson's just solid across the board and you know three guard
3: lineups are going to thrive with the second unit i think yeah i mean same i think it's for the season it'll be Brunson, but if we were looking at like the entire career, I would put a little stock into Kostas. There you go. I buy Kostas stock. Yeah, 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 I think I would buy low on Costas. I think he has a lot of room to grow. And I think if they can just kind of hold on to him, keep him with the legends a couple years, I think he could really be a really like interesting front court player. I don't know if he can really shoot, but like his athleticism, his defense, I think he could play a small ball five in That'd the future. Fun, man.
0: You know who didn't get any love just now? Ryan Brokoff. Oh, yeah, that's three, technically a rookie. Does that count? Yeah, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. Okay. He shot 363 of 822 the last four years in Europe. That's good for 44%. They need his shooting a lot, and we will get to that a little later. But, uh, yeah, usually you don't see – what is he, 27, 28 years old? You don't see, like, the older rookies, like the fake rookies, get much all-rookie team love. And I'm not saying yeah. Brokoff will play, long enough to, or play enough minutes to put up the numbers. But, uh, but, yeah, he's a rookie, too. He's a rookie, too. Okay, next question. you quest- say so. Yeah, no, believe me. Okay, Ben Simmons. <laughs> believe- sure. Yeah, yeah, no, he is, I promise. Uh, okay, moving on, number nine. Can the Mavericks finish in the top half of the league in fast break points? And just for a little bit of context, last season they scored 10 fast break points per game, which ranked 24th in the league. Mike, turn to you. Can they? Will they?
1: Uh, I think they will finish in the top half. I think they can finish in the top 10. Um, it's 10 points per game last year. Out of fast break situations, um, to get in the top half, you just got to get a north of about 12. And I think with the uh, the DNA that shifted on this team and Luca in the starting lineup and DeAndre at center, I think it'd be kind of a disappointment if they weren't top 15 in fast break points. When I mean, we saw it, it's it was against the Beijing Ducks, but the grab and go capability of Luca and the uh, you know the outlet pass, quick rebound outlet pass by DeAndre that gets them going up and down the court and creates early offense. Um, it should, I don't know if I, I don't know if I think they're going to be better at early offense or fast break points. I think early offense is more important to me, but, uh, they can be top half of the league. And I think they should aim to be top 10 in terms of getting out and running because the, the roster dictates it as such. Dennis Smith Jr. is a great athlete. Luca is going to be and go. Um, and then, I mean, we haven't seen Harrison Barnes run the court like he did with Golden State. Yeah, he can run the floor, yeah. too. I've
3: I've seen it. Thank I've you. seen it before. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Most I, def. I think it's basically a lock that they finish top half, and mostly because now they have DeAndre. He can rebound, and they don't have to send five guys in there to fight for a box out, to fight for a rebound, and then walk the ball up. So as, as soon as DeAndre gets, everyone can clear out and just – Especially Dennis. Dennis has to come back and rebound. Um, and then Dennis and Luca, obviously on the break. Luca's a wizard in transition. He's a little got a little Magic Johnson to him in transition, so I think he's really going to push the pace. And it's going to be better for him than to be in the half court. Uh, it's going to be a little bit easier for him to get by his guide and get those early offense points.
2: I'm not convinced. I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be average. I think they could be 15, 16, 14, somewhere right around there. Uh, it's it's just like it, when, when you kind of look at the makeup of the team, you, you realize that it has to come from the starters uh, i, I don 't think that anybody on, on the bench, obviously a Brea and Dirk uh, lineups which which are a lot of those bench lineups are not uh, transition lineups they they're not built to do that um, you know Brea is, is very slowed down you know you know pace guy you know we all understand dirk's limitations in, in terms of fast breaks and stuff like that at this point. Um, Dwight Powell has never been an amazing trans- transition player. Maxi Kleber is not a transition player. And that's usually you know, the easiest way is that you have a really great big. You know, it's, a, it's a big or, or like a really you know, LeBron James or just like a the super athletic and, and ball handling uh, forward. That's usually where you get your transition points. And you know, the bench lineup doesn't really have it. Um, I, I, I hear you guys on Barnes in the starting five, but, but also I, I remember a stat that he had no transition dunks his last season in Golden State. Really, um, I yeah I remember that coming over, and I remember that being you know kind of faulted. You know he was faulted for that, and people said you know maybe he's not as a, as athletic in space. You know I think we all understand who Barnes is now, and, and you know that's not exactly a concern. But but I re- really wouldn't label him as a transition player. I think the combination of Dennis Luca and DeAndre alone should get them up to fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. Um, I'm not sure. You know I, I think they can finish top fifteen. I, I don't think it's a lock necessarily that, that it's going to happen. Yeah, Barnes so. uh, Barnes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, Barnes, Barnes and West are going to have to run the wing. They're, yeah. they're going to
0: get a lot of transition threes. And really the only guy last year on the team that, that took a lot of threes in transition was Yogi, and he's gone now. Yeah. The year before, Seth Curry did it pretty well. So they got to get those two flankers running the sideline. And then uh, if Dennis or Luka get the rebound, it's like get it and go. Yeah. That's, that's how they're going to do it, I think.
1: Yeah. And Golden State, I think, is north of 19 points a game in fast break situations. And that's kind of cheated because they'll shoot a three in fast break without yeah. hesitation. I don't know if there's a guy like that. I don't know if Wes is that guy if it's someone... He thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. someone <laughs> barrels into the lane but there's also an open three out there. Like, are they going to be comfortable? Like, here you go, buddy. Shoot this three instead. I trust you to knock this down. Um, I don't know if that's their style. So that's kind of how you cheat that formula of fast break points. But, all go- all good points. I do... I didn't even think about the bench whenever I was thinking about it, honestly. I didn't even consider them getting up and down. Um, but now that that's kind of in my in my formula, I still think they can score 12 points a game in fast break situations. Yeah, 15th but last
0: year was 11.6. So it's basically just can you get one more basket
1: Yeah, per game. I think definitely, but yeah.
0: I say yes, book it. Tim, you're just a pessimist. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Get, get that negative
1: energy out of here. Nobody talks like that to Dallas best columnist. On the internet. No, take that, Sports. observer. I'm,
0: I'm not even... That, that don't mean nothing in, to me. In the universe, I believe,
2: was the... Uh, oh, okay. In the yeah. universe. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. my
0: God. Okay, number eight. This is going to be a tough one. How many wins will it take to make the playoffs? And I guess that by this we mean, you know, wh- how many wins will the eighth seed get, mm-hmm. essentially? So, Austin, let's start with you. What do you think?
3: I think it's going to take 46. 46? 46, okay. 46. I think the top half of the West is very good, but I think between... The Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, um, Portland, the Bla- uh, Pelicans. Mm-hmm. That glutted teams are just going to beat up on each other, and the win totals at the bottom of the West aren't going to be as high as people think they're going to be just because they're going to lo- win and lose a lot of games. So I think they're all like relatively the same level, and then you'll see a, a big jump between the bottom half of the West and the top half. Um, but I think it's still going to take a lot of wins because most of these teams, are re- there aren't really any bad teams in the West besides the Kings. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. 48. 48, 48. wins. 48? Wow. The same as wow. 2015. If uh, I, yeah, that's where really the
2: Mavericks actually made it with 48 wins, if I'm correct. Yeah. 2014? 2014, yeah. they won 49. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 49. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay, that's right. That's right. Um, I'll say 48 wins. I, I hear the argument that the teams, that because the West is so good that they will kind of take wins away from each other. I still think it's going to be way up there. I think it's going to be 48. Man. And coincidentally, I was actually you know i've i've talked to maverick staffers and the number i hear most often given as the very highest point for this team that they believe is is 48 so mm. wow so that's I the best they case get, scenario so if everything the, goes yeah, right they got to be the best version of themselves just correct. to get the 8 seed Great.
0: man 48 is a that's a lot of wins, a lot of wins. 46 a really seems good like good a conference. lot too i don't know what do you think mike
1: yeah i i mean i landed on like 45 and a half is <laughs> the over under right for making it as the 8th seed and because of what Austin said, like, okay, the top two or three teams in the West, you know who they are. Um, They're just going to start cobbling up wins. But also, I don't know if Golden State puts their foot down until Boogie comes back, which I think was kind of, not to dive into a whole Golden State conversation, but I think it was kind of smart to bring in Boogie or just bring in an activator (laughs) that moves the timeline up from, okay, let's start locking in during playoffs. Instead, let's start locking in in January, February, whenever Boogie comes back. Let's give a crap then. And I think they're going to go on a crazy run. I think they're probably going to win 10, 15 in a row whenever Boogie comes back just to show that they can do it and show everything's cool here, guys. But uh, I think they start – they bleed some wins early in the season. So I don't know if I have an exact number that I'm comfortable on. I just think so many of these teams are going to be dictated by the first month of the season. Westbrook's injury, Golden State, can you, like, get that kind of – That kind of care going again early in the season. Can you go psycho the first six weeks of the season? So I think that brings the number down a little bit for me on the whole. And I do think the four through nine teams in the West are all going to be like 44 through
2: 48 wins. And it's just going to be a
1: bloodbath. The Warriors
2: bleeding wins, though, to teams that are going to make the playoffs in the fifth, sixth, seventh, only makes it harder. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So what? The last six years, that's since the lockout, so each of the last six seasons, the average eight seed wins 44.7 games in the West. In the East, I would imagine, I didn't look at it, but I would guess it's like 39 or 40. But to get to the six seed, you need 48 wins. So, like, the gap usually between the six and eight is pretty big. But eight is relatively attainable. Now, there have been years, like in 2014, the Mavs needed 49 wins, and they won basically a play-in game two games before the end of the year to beat Phoenix. And Phoenix, I think, won 48 which is the most ever t- by a team that did not make the playoffs. Mm. But That hurts. Yeah. This year in the West, we talked about it. There's, in my opinion, there's three teams that are like head and shoulders above everybody else. It's Golden State, Houston, and then there's a little bit of a gap, and then Utah. And then I think everybody else is chasing those three teams. So the most recent example I could find where it's three teams that are just kind of running away with the conference in terms of wins was in 2017, which is Golden State, San Antonio and Houston, they each won, I think Golden State won like 67, San Antonio won 61, Houston I think won like 58. And then nobody else is above like 53 or 54. That year it took 41 games to get in. But I think the East is a little worse than it was that year. So I think maybe 43. That's kind of the number I've gotten to. Mm. Because while I think everybody's going to beat up on each other, I think Golden State, Houston, and Utah will stay clear of that pack. I think OKC will be a little bit behind them. And then I think the the gap between, like, 5th or 6th and 10th or 11th is going to be, like, March 20th, and we still have no idea who's going to make the playoffs. Mm, yeah. I think it's going to be very, very tight. And whenever it's that tight, unless all of those teams are just stomping on the East, which has happened before. I mean, there have been years where no team that made the playoffs in the West won fewer than, like, 20 games against the East, which is two out of every three uh, it might be that same way again. And if you win 20 games against the East, you're probably going to win at least like 43, 44 games. So mm-hmm. it might be a little higher than that, but I think 43, because I am I just think there are a lot of question marks with those teams, and usually teams with question marks aren't winning 45, 46.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of luck and a lot of when you play these teams, these Western playoff teams. Like if you play yeah. Oklahoma City the first two weeks, they're a little bit different. Yeah. Um, if you play the Lakers before they start, you know, actually getting Lonzo into the starting lineup and stuff like that, and then it's different. Um, so you're going to look back at these teams that are going to be separated by two or three games, um, like Portland last year, who gobbled up, what, 49 wins? Um, I didn't think they were substantially better than Utah or New Orleans necessarily, but you just look at the games and you go, oh, well, they caught this team coming off a of back-to-back. This guy didn't play that night. There's your one win that's separating them that gives them the three seed. So it's going to be. there's a lot of luck involved. Like no one ever wants to admit it on the scheduling, yeah. but there's a lot of luck that goes into it. Yeah, and like the Mavs. Well, sorry, but the, the Mavs play uh, so
0: Phoenix, Atlanta, and Chicago. Three of their first mm-hmm. four games. If you play those teams in Minnesota October, two. that means one thing. If you play those three teams in April, that yeah. sometimes means yeah. another thing. So those games are those
2: games are weighted a little differently, I think. Yeah. As oh. someone who had the outlier, your your you know kind of explanation of why three teams being way better and winning uh, does make sense to me. So mm. you know, I, I still think that the conference is just that much better, and that it, it, you know, last year was an unusually bad injury year, um, mm-hmm. aberrationally bad, actually the worst since 2004, 2005, and only the worst since that year because that's as far back as we can actually tra- track the data. Um, but but I, so, so I do think this conference is just hellaciously good. That said, I, I do think there's a scenario where the wins do go to the top and, and there is some room where you know, it's not a 47, 48 win team that's 8 seed. It's, it's a team that has less wins just because there's so many teams around it you know, kind of still in play.
3: Yeah. And so it also matters where Jimmy Butler goes. So Right now, he's yeah. kind of in the air. If he, if for some godforsaken reason he stays in the Timberwolves, like they'll, <laughs> they'll be good, right? Assuming. But if he goes east then that, that drops him down, probably out of the playoffs completely. Yeah. Or what
0: if he goes to somewhere like the Clippers, for example? Who yeah. I don't think really anybody's considering a playoff team. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that kind of vaults them into the conversation. That would change the another, landscape substantially. Yeah. 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 Do you or think anybody you know. wins north of sixty in the West? Yeah. Ooh,
1: I don't know. I, I think it was that, that factors into my thinking is I don't think there's anybody that goes north of 60. I just think there's going to be Houston, Utah. I mean, you can talk me into Oklahoma City winning over 50 um, and being comfortable with that. But I think there's Houston, Golden State,
3: Utah are all between 55 and 60. It, it might be Utah, honestly, because Golden State Ooh. and Houston don't have the incentive to do it. Like, they're, they're going to arrest guys. Like, Houston, last year, they were trying to prove, they're like, oh, we want James Harden to win MVP, we want to win 60 mm. games, we want the one seed, and they did it already. So I don't think, I think they know that, like, they just have to go out and just play the series. Yeah. So they're going to rest guys on the stretch. They're going to rest guys in March and April. But Utah, they're like, we need all the home court advantage we can get. And also, mm. they're very good at home. And Houston
2: still wants home court though. Yeah,
3: but I th- to to an extent. Yeah, but I think Utah if they can really get on a roll, they could probably mm-hmm. like eke out sixty wins, and they'll and they can also play their guys a lot more. Like Donovan Mitchell's in the second year, so he mm-hmm. can play every single game, play thirty five minutes a game. And for yeah. them, I think
0: it's is Rudy Gobert going to miss twenty games randomly again? Game? Yeah, because with him, the last three or four years they've been like they've played basically sixty one pace. They have.
2: Exactly 61s, I believe, last year. Yeah, yeah, for
0: for many years. I mean, yeah, there was that one year, even when they didn't make the playoffs, there was one year where I think for like 40 games they had the best defense in history or just something stupid. Gobert is really, really good, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, next. I Mike. agree. Hey, thank you. Uh, Mike. Yeah. How does Harrison Barnes' role change the season? This is question number seven, and... It's kind of a vague one, so I, I want everyone mm-hmm. to kind of to, to think on it for a little bit. Let, that, let the question marinate. How does his role change this season, Harrison Barnes?
1: I think every year he's been a Dallas Maverick, uh, he's had a different like, set role. And, of course, he can evolve, and he has you know, his go-tos and his post moves and his isos and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what they ask him to do on a night-to-night basis. And I feel like every year it's been different. And so, for him, there's always there's that excuse, but I don't feel like it's ever held him down. I feel like he's adapted pretty well. But this year is another completely different role for him. And I feel like what they're going to ask him to do is they're not going to say, hey, let's not do as much ISO. Let's not do as much one-on-one basketball. Let's not... You know, uh, 10 seconds left in the shot clock, give it to Harris and everybody just kind of like you know stand over there with your hands behind your back. I don't think that's the situation. But if he can still do that, if he can be the release valve on the offense, I think that's great because he's a uh, sneaky, efficient scorer out of ISO uh, for a game that really isn't efficient anymore in the league. But I think slashing, coming off cuts – Uh, knocking down threes, I think, is the thing he needs to add this year, more than anything. And I've seen him run some pick-and-roll with DeAndre. If you can get some work in there, and you can do some of that Blake Griffin-DeAndre 4-5 pick-and-roll that they started rolling out, I'd love that. But I think uh, he's the one guy on this roster that has to make the biggest adjustment to me. Everyone talks about the relationship between Dennis and Luka. I think they'll be fine. Like, there's no... There's no uh, issues there with me. I just I think Dennis can learn a new thing. It's only his second year, so he doesn't have this identity that's just you know uh, carved into stone. But Harrison Barnes, I think he's gonna l- walk out of some games and go, you know, I didn't leave my my thumbprint on that game that much, but we still won. Is this what I need to be? So I think it's a completely different role for him. another one every single year, it's like uh, the Alex Smith new offensive coordinators for six years yeah. type yeah. thing. You know, I think it's like that.
3: I think his role, he's going to be a lot like an expensive watch in that <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to need him every single night, but there'll be sometimes we will like, hey, we need Harrison to just go get us like 10 points in a quarter. He's just going to have to shoot a lot more threes. He's going to have a lot more transition buckets. Uh, their offense is a lot more like movement oriented, so he's going to like score off a of split cuts, score of like backdoor cuts. He just needs to shoot a lot of threes. Like he needs to shoot at least like five threes a game. And then like when they get into crunch time, they're going to, they're going to run that little like uh, ISO for him at the nail where we can go to work because he's really good at isolation. He's not just a three and D player. Like he has a really good like offensive repertoire. It's just the way he goes to work, it's very slow and it takes a lot of time, so you can't run it for your entire offense. But it's good if you just need it for like a couple possessions a game. So I think they'll use him a lot more strategically. He'll still be involved. He'll touch the ball a lot. He'll run a lot of, some pick and rolls. But he just won't be dominating the ball from like the mid post as much as he was in the last two seasons.
2: Yeah I think I think that he you know Burns is a top five Isolation scorer in the league right now. I, I think in, in terms of efficiency in terms of, of players that actually take the volume that he has uh, I, I think that we can acknowledge both that he's a top five player at that and also that you know his you know His points per possession, you know, the, the basically how often the team scores when he goes into that isolation mode It's still not quite as efficient as the team running a you know a successful pick and roll um, Or something like that so there's use in that. There's, it's useful to have a player who is that good at isolation. There are times where isolation, um, you know, is, is just a shot you can get um, in a specific circumstance at the end of the clock. Uh, you know, there's a lot of circumstances where isolation um, does make sense or makes more sense than, you know, forcing a contested, you know, pull up or catch and shoot jump or something like that. Um, I, I think overall, though, that he needs to become more of a finisher. And when I say finisher, I don't mean you know the classic. He's a uh, sinner who just you know finishes around the rim. You have creators and you have finishers, and basically all of you know a lot of Harrison's offense needs to be coming thanks to other people around him passing to him. And that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously he's, he's not, he's not going to be under the rim just, just shooting layups, but he needs to be catching shooting. He needs to be getting the ball in, in situations where he does have a mismatch in an isolation setting, you know, whether it is, you know, right on the nail and, uh, at, at the free throw line or somewhere like that. You know, a lot of his offense needs to be coming directly because of Luca, because of Dennis, and because of Brea. And I think the more he does that, the more successful he's going to be and the more it's, you know, just going to make that offense hum.
0: Here's something interesting that uh, that happened with Harrison last season. Even as he was still really kind of heavy usage ISO guy, uh, he averaged at the same time a career high in catch-and-shoot threes per game. It was only 3.3, which is not a very high number for a a wing that plays 30-plus minutes in the NBA, but it is still the highest mark of his career. Uh, He also attempted more pull-ups last season, 77. That's pull-up threes, not pull-up jumpers. Pull-up threes, 77 of them, about one per game. Uh, that was more than he had in his previous four seasons combined. Which is how did he shoot on those? Fifty-five uh, pull-up threes. He was very good. He was uh, for most of the season. He was low forties. Uh, I think at the end of the year, like the, the last week, I believe he dipped down into the high thirties. I could find out real quick. But in the meantime, um, so we we kind of mirror Barnes's uh, career arc to Michael Finley right now with the Mavericks, right? You had you bring in Dennis, you bring in Luca. Uh, it's kind of like Dirk and Nash, and then you have the, the old guard, even though Finley wasn't that much older than Nash, actually. Um, but you bring in the old guard last season, Tim, on pull-up threes, Harrison Barnes, 37.7%. So that's, that's pretty good. good. That's, that's really good. That's pretty good for pull-ups, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's notable to mention that even as – Finley's role in the offense, and it's tough to compare stuff that happened 15 years ago to now, but even as his role sort of diminished as Dirk and Nash began uh, kind of taking over the offense, Finley's usage rate was still very high. It just changed. He was more of an off-ball kind of spot-up safety valve kind of player. His usage rate didn't drop below 23.9% until 2004, and by then, Dirk and Nash were well into the prime of their careers, so I think Barnes is still going to get a lot of touches, and he's still going to get a lot of shots. He might be your team leader in field goal attempts even. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about scoring later too. But um, I think he's, his usage is still going to be there. I just think it's going to be more threes and maybe more pull-up threes too. I mean, if you're running four or five pick and rolls to Mike's point and Barnes is the four, that five man's not going to want to step out on him. So there's going to be a little pocket of space at the top of the arc. And if he can step into that shot, and it's tough to do it from 27 feet in the third quarter, but uh, if, he can, if he can knock down that shot, then there's easy points there to be had for him.
1: For the first time in his Mavericks career, I feel like he's a top two or three shooter on this roster. And for a team that we'll get to this later about biggest concerns, but it's do you want him in that role? Do you need his shooting so bad that he's now a wing shooter in a lot of sets? Or do you believe that isolation offense or him being a play finisher feeding off some of the playmakers is the best way to use him? And I think it's going to differ from lineup to lineup who's on the court with him. But, I mean, you start going down, who's the best shooter on this roster? And, I mean, it's Dirk West, uh, Harrison Barnes. Like, it gets there pretty quick. So, I, I, we'll talk about the shooting later. But that's, that's unique for him, at least with the Mavericks. There's going to be a lot
0: of pressure on him, not just to score late in the fourth quarter, but also to knock down.
3: A lot of threes.
2: Lots and lots of good, not great shooters on this roster.
3: Yep. But yep. I think on the other end, if you have two guys in your lineup who are both six eight, who can hit drip, like threes off the dribble, that's pretty rare. Like no one really has that, and it, it causes defenses to guard you tightly and to guard you differently and to go up your screens. And that even if you're not hitting them at like a huge rate, it's going to open up the rest of the offense for other people.
0: Hey DeAndre, what's up? <laughs> what's up, DeAndre? Okay, number six. This is going to be an interesting one. Your top five bench players by minutes per game, and we have projected that uh, three of them in no particular order will be Dirk, Dwight Powell, and J.J. Barea, but we have left two spots blank.
1: So Can I, can I ask them a, a bonus question in this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like the bench unit, Dirk, Dwight, and J.J. Barea, probably need to be on the court together at all times. Yeah. Do y'all, do y'all feel the same? Like hockey sub style? Yeah, that, that, those three guys I feel like need to be on the court at all times for your bench units
3: to just have an offensive rating of like 112, 115 for the season. Oh, yeah. They know how to run offense like the back of their hand. Like, they, they just have to all be together.
2: I'd be pretty happy if those three were the first sub. The, yeah. You know, the first sub and the first and the third quarters. I think that would make a lot of sense to me. I want to see a Dirk,
0: DeAndre double screen just a few times. I really want to see that. Like, what can they do in a drag? I think that would be really cool with Dennis. But, yeah, Dirk, Bray, and Powell, they gotta, they got to spend like
1: 95% of their minutes together. I mean, because that's the that's the optimum outcome
2: for a bench unit possession, right? Yeah, you it's, can you can sub Maxi for Dwight. Yeah, times, you could. But yeah. you could. Th- your point is that you need Dirk and Brea and one more center. Yeah, and a mm-hmm. role guy, and a center who can defend in space. Yeah, and yeah. there's
1: nobody that could stop that. Like, there's not a bench unit on another roster. That goes out there and is comfortable with that, that three set right there because
0: it's either open three, a dunk, or a JJ contortion act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ like, just floater. Like. Yeah, and all of those are all of those are bad outcomes if you're mm-hmm. not a Mavs uh, sympathizer. Okay, so who are they going to be playing with though? You got Dirk, you got Dwight, you got JJ, blank and blank. So Austin, who are going to be your uh, who's going to round out the
3: top five in bench minutes per game? I want to say it would be Dorian and Maxi, but I know Devin's going to get a lot of minutes. Because <laughs> Devin just knows how to play, yeah. and when they are out there all together, like they make quick decisions, and the offense just hums, and he's just really good at filling in the gaps. But I think Dorian's going to really take a step up this year. And Maxi's really good. I don't know where his minutes are going to come from, because there's not mm-hmm. a slot for him. He's kind of out there in no man's land right now. And because DeAndre's going to play 30 minutes a game, if you play Dwight, 18 minutes a game, like that's all of the minutes there. And like... But he's really good, and he can space the floor at the five position. Um, but I think Brokov, while he's an amazing shooter, he's going to be able to shoot the lights out, there's just not enough minutes for him to play unless someone gets hurt. And same with Brunson. Like, I think he also Carlo wants to play him and, like, when Borea sits and stuff, but I also think that there's just, again, just not enough minutes to go around with all these guys. There's, they have a, a good problem where they have seven guys off their bench that can really all play. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to shake on being Devin and Dorian.
2: I'd say Devin's a lock. I could see any of the three of Maxi, Dorian, or uh, Brokoff.
1: I wrote down Maxi and Dorian. Same. um, Great one, buddy. (laughs) I mean, you look at that bench unit. I mean, you look at the roster overall, and you're like, yeah, I'd like to have, like, two or three more wings. So are you going to force Dorian into that role? And I think, yeah. I mean, his shooting has been that encouraging during training camp. Everyone said, best shooter at camp knocked down a couple in the preseason game yeah it's preseason i get it but i need to see him do it in games and he's done it in the one game i've seen and then max i just think maxi's really stinking good man and i i feel bad that at this point in his career when i think he could take another jump up and be you know what dwight powell jumped into um you know after i like, after the contract here i guess I feel like Maxi could make that kind of jump but i just don't know where the minutes come from yeah and that his position is kind of redundant with dwight powell um so it's finney smith is the is the wiggle point for me you're so thirsty for wings and guys that can go in and lock down play defense about on just about anybody in the league um with his size and speed so that's where, I'm, that's where I land. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Devin or even Jalen Brunson somehow works his way into 15 to 18 minutes a night. That wouldn't surprise me, but I think Maxie and Dorian Finney-Smith are going to be the closest to, to 20-ish minutes a night. So
0: I went I went with Finney because I think he's going to get the minutes on a game-to-game basis. I'm not sure that Maxi will play every game 18, 20 minutes, but I think when he does play, he's going to play a lot of minutes. So that's whenever Dirk is resting mm-hmm. or whenever DeAndre gets in foul trouble. You know, we've seen in the past whenever, like, uh, Powell was starting last season or Zaza a couple years ago or Bogut or whoever the starting center has been, usually when they get in foul trouble, Sala will play a lot, even if it's not, like, a Sala game, as Rick yeah. calls them. Uh, I think Maxi's going to be that guy. And also uh, Rick's saying in China that Dirk is going to be out weeks, not days. Um, if – whatever, if Dirk's not ready on opening night or if it, if it takes him a little while to get rolling. We know he's, what, 40, 40 years old? Yeah. Year 21, 40 one 20, 21, 21, 21, yeah. Yeah, and they got, what, like 14 or 16 back-to-backs. I mean, who knows mm. how many of those he's going to play. I don't know, but I think whenever he doesn't. Basically, the Mavs need some German in there. <laughs> and okay. if Dirk's not playing, <laughs> some German June, engineering. Maxie is the next on the list. Yeah, so I think it's going to be Dorian and Maxie by
1: volume. By minutes per game, not just, maybe not total minutes played though. I just hope Dorian knocks down his open threes, or even yeah, that's just, his. Someone's closing out on him threes because that's that's a player that can get legit minutes, a three and D uh, archetype dude that's long. And uh, I just I want him to be that guy really badly. But if, if he's not knocking out a three at a you know thirty six percent, I don't know how you, I don't know how you play him and you don't go hey Ryan Brokoff get in there yeah. or hey Dirk come back in or something like that you know so. I want this to be a good year for Dorian Finney-Smith, and it started off well, and training camp has been spectacular for him. Okay, number five. I'm, I'm going
0: paint to paint a picture for you. I'm setting the scene. There's 40 seconds left in the game. It is tied. The Mavs have the ball. So you were going from offense to defense. No timeouts left. Obviously, you're not fouling because it's a tie game. What is the Mavericks' closing lineup? Who's on
3: the floor for them? I need five names. Austin. I think in most situations, it'll be the starting five, but I think there are a few teams out there who play small or who play, who's big is not threatening enough, or they'll play maxi at the five and they'll go five out. And also, that means if you get up, like you, everyone can get a free throw. Um, but I think their starting five is such a good, like, mixture of talent and roles that they don't really have to sub a lot with their closing lineup, except if they want to play Max at the five or if they want to play Dorian at the five and just go small and switch everything. I think those are kind of the three things you'll see. You won't, I don't think you'll see Dirk a lot in the closing lineup. year, just because he's just a liability on defense.
2: You're so close, Austin. You're so close <laughs> to getting that right. So close. But to think that Rick Carlisle would, would go with Maxi Kleber over J.J. Brea in a closing lineup. Oh, my God. It will be – there will be lineups. There will be days where he puts J.J. in there. Um, I, I, think it's, I think you're right. I think it's a starting five, um, two-thirds of the time, if not more. I think Brea gets in there. I think Brea – we've seen Brea we, – I remember watching Brea in 2009. Close games. Yeah. Yeah. Hit a game winning three. I have I have vivid memories of him hitting a game winning three against the Clippers. Tim was he turned
0: seven that day. Yeah. Uh yeah. It was a horse it was a horse themed
2: <laughs> birthday party <laughs> yeah. and uh, got kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think I think that uh I think that the the one lineup that the one player who's a threat to get in there late in games is, is Brea, uh, more than anybody else on the roster.
0: He is he avoids turnovers and he's been there before. Right.
2: right. On, on a day where Dennis is just, you know, it's, it's a little, maybe a little bit harder to trust him as a ball handler. He's, he's had some dumb turnovers, things like that. I think Bray gets in there.
1: I think for the first time in a long time, the answer should be their, their starting unit. Um, but I wrote this a couple different ways. The question I had was, do you all know who led the Mavs in minute, fourth quarter minutes per game last year?
3: Barnes? <laughs> JJ. No. No?
1: Who? Yogi. Oh, wow. yeah. Yogi played more in the fourth quarter than anybody in the roster last year. Yeah, that's wow. right. That's Dwight right. Powell was second. Yogi
0: closed a lot he of
3: games you know, last closed a lot season. of games, yeah.
1: Yogi played more fourth quarter minutes than anybody else last year. Dwight Powell was second. We talk minutes per game. Doug McDermott was second. Wow. So, whenever wow. he got here, Doug, Dougie was rolling out in the fourth and quarter. And they weren't
0: – I mean, the, the Mavs last season lost a ton of close games. It's not like they were just playing garbage time every game. Yeah. And, you know, those are like meaningful minutes that yeah. you have to fill.
1: I think – you're going to get down into situations in which, like Austin said, DeAndre can't be on the court for one reason or the other. Either the other team isn't giving you a guy that he needs to defend or uh, that's worthy of boxing out, or just like the simple foul situation of DeAndre gets the rebound and someone immediately fouls him and then you're, you're, you're in free throw hell at that moment. So what I would do is Dennis, Luca, Barnes, Powell, Wes – what okay. I think Rick will do is Dennis, Maria, Wes, Barnes, Powell. Okay. And I looked up all the lineups that they'd use. Oh, so no Luca. No huh? Luca. No Luca. I don't think wow. Rick will do. It. Not not immediately, at least. Um, okay. Okay. I don't think. I think Maria takes Luca's spot in that, and then Powell slides in for DeAndre. uh, At least immediately, if it's yeah. game two of the season and we're up by four going into the final minute, I think that's how it shakes out, because last year. The most used lineup was Dirk, Devin, JJ, Powell, Yogi. They were actually fine. They had 13-9 and nine in those games, um, and those lineups were fine. So I would do something different than Rick would do just because I'd want Luka in there. Um, it depends if he – he always has two point guards or facilitators in there. It just depends if he considers Luka, that second point guard, or that second facilitator, yeah. like, immediately.
0: I think he will. I mean, last year, and obviously their their objectives last season were a little different down the stretch, but last year Dennis basically closed almost every game except for a few choice nights early in the year whenever he was just not really kind of getting it done, kind of like Tim said earlier. You know, if, if he wasn't really running the offense the way the Ricks fit, he'd put JJ in the game, you know, at the end. I think Luca is gonna pretty much always run the offense the way Rick wants him to. I think the one thing that could hurt him, though, um, he had what against and obviously preseason game one, but against Beijing, I think he had three or four turnovers. Yeah, so, just
1: passes that weren't there yet. Yeah,
0: so you know if it's you know if it's against Toronto and and Kawhi's picked his pocket a couple times, is Rick gonna trust him or is he gonna you know give it to Barnes and and have Luca? watch basically so I, I, I don't know but I, I think Luca is going to be on the floor a lot just because Rick values experience and even though Luca is a rookie he has closed out championship games already yeah uh, number four
1: that one was actually tough yeah that was
0: tough and and I could see all of us being wrong yeah, yeah. I, th- I think r- if Rick hears this he will purposely play a different <laughs> probably uh, Ryan uh, broke off yeah. <laughs> point guard yeah uh, closing minutes get Spalding. in there Brunson yeah uh, okay who will be the Mavs' leading per-game scorer? Not total points scored. I need points per game. Tim Cato. Ooh. It's I'll supposed say. To, it's supposed to be a fast
2: reaction. Tim. <laughs> I'll say. I'll say. You're doing fine, <laughs> man. I, I could. I could see being any of Doncic, Dennis, and Harrison Barnes. I'll say Dennis. Okay. I'll make Skin Wade happy. I'll say Dennis.
1: That's what this podcast is about. It, it is making
2: the skin happy.
0: It is. Yeah. It's a front.
1: <laughs> I uh, I think Barnes is the obvious. If I had to put money, if you give me a hundred bucks to go go place a bet, I'd say Barnes. But I think I want it to be Dennis, and I think that number is going to be way closer than people realize. I think Barnes could be like seventeen point five, and Dennis could be like seventeen two. But I think it's those two guys. I don't know if I don't know if Luca gets there yet. I feel like fifteen points for Luca would be a pretty impressive. Fifteen sixteen would be pretty impressive. Um, and it just, you know, the pace is probably going to be cranked up, thus your points per game is going to be cranked up. Um, so they both could be 18. I just think their numbers are going to be really, really close within, within a point of each other by the end of the season.
3: I, for a long time I thought it was going to be Dennis because I think he's just going to be able to just take another leap in his scoring ability and he's going to have the ball more and be able to get to the rim. But I really think Luka's going to score a lot of points this year. Wow. Because I think he's going to draw a lot of fouls. He's going to lead the team in free throws. Mm-hmm. He's huge. He's just such a large human being. And when he goes to the room, he's really tricky. And he's going to draw a lot of free throws. And I think he's going to shoot a lot of threes, at least like five a game. And that just it just builds up points. Like Even if it doesn't look like he's dominating, he's just going isolation all game. Mm-hmm. When you look up and you're like, oh, when did he get 20 points? When did he get 21 points off of just free throws and threes and just a couple transition points? And I think his scoring is going to come easier than the scoring is for Dennis or for Harrison.
2: He's too passive, though. I think, he's I think that passive, he's okay yeah. with six points if he also has 10 assists. I think he can I lead the team in scoring if he wants to. Yeah, if
3: he, if he wants to do it, he can do it, and yeah. he might not do it because he's just like, I just want to pass the ball.
0: I think your leader in points per game – Uh, Let's keep going back and forth. But I think it's going to be Dennis. But I think your leader in who is the leading scorer the most often is going to be Harrison. Because Mm -hmm. I think it's Harrison is always like you look up in the fourth quarter and you're like, he has 21 points? Like When did he even score? And I think that's going to continue being the case this year because he's going to be shooting a lot more threes. So he'll only have to make like five or six shots to have a really good night and a few free throws. But I think Dennis... I don't know what. What do you guys think? I mean, do you think like I think it get, he was at fifteen point two last year? I want to say. Do you? Can any of you see him getting up to like nineteen? I can see him getting up to like nineteen. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, like okay. eighteen and a half, nineteen. Would I could be a really see good it, difference.
2: except that you know, I, I don't think. I think like Mike said, I don't think anybody gets there. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this this is a team without a score over you know about eighteen, eighteen five, but okay,
0: yeah. okay.
1: So uh, and if you have. Three or four dudes that are scoring 15-plus a game, I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah it, is good. it is it good. And,
0: and your center is going to be scoring, wow, I yeah. don't know, 10 or 12 probably.
1: Yeah, I'd say like 12 for him if I had to guess, and then Dwight Powell is going to work in 10 to 12 somewhere in there. And, then and you know Dirk you want, is okay. going to get up his
2: shots. Yeah, you want Matthews at, at 12 yeah. as well, maybe 13. Mm-hmm. If you can do an efficient 13, that's huge
0: for you. Yeah. So. Okay, so now it's time. These are the big ones. This is question number three. The top three. Tim, we'll start with you because I know you love negative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest concern in general with this team? In general, it could be me. It could oh, be oh, with mm. with this team, not not in
1: life. No, 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 yeah, yeah. As it relates to Mavericks, it
0: could basketball. be this weird
1: pipe that runs over our heads that shakes back and forth every time <laughs> somebody flushes the toilet.
2: <laughs>
1: that could be it. Why
0: do you think it's I'm sitting over here? Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the other side I'm of the. I'm never roof. in that chair. He's very
2: strate- <laughs> strategically placed. Yeah, I would say that the the biggest concern for me is that this starting lineup isn't good enough to consistently beat other starting lineups when they're on the floor. I think that last year we saw how good the bench was, the second best lineup in the entire league. Was a five man unit led by Brea and Dirk. Um, I, I think that Rick Carlisle teams have always proved that their benches outperform, especially that, that when you give Carlisle a group of kind of veterans and a group of you know people with interesting talents, he gets the most out of it. And that really showcases and, and stands out with, with second units. Um, and I think this team is deep. I think there will be go- a good second unit and that, that they're going to use that stuff correctly. I, my, my worry is that the starting five is not talented enough and they're way more talented than they were last year, but my, my concern is still that they're not going to be talented enough to consistently finish, you know, I, I think at you know eight minutes when they sub, I think they may be down five, you know, three to six points. Uh, you know, the third quarter when they, they start the half, you know, maybe down two points, they're going to let that lead slip to six or seven. And, and when your starting lineup consistently does that, that's very hard to overcome. Um, I, I think that they should aim to break even. If they can have a zero net rating, if you will, I think that is – a massive success and, and sets this team up really well to win games off the strength of their bench.
1: Do you think this is Rick's best starting lineup in three years, though?
2: I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I think it's up there. I think, it, I think it can get there by the end of the year, for sure. And, and hopefully, sooner than that, hopefully halfway through the year. I think I it'll know, take some yeah, adjustment. you're talking like game one? Yeah, like game one, no, but I think rookie,
1: that rookie, yeah. uh, Luca first game type right, stuff.
2: Right, Yeah okay. I think someone relies on how much Wes can turn into it. Hopefully, you know, he, he's mm. he's... Poised to be able to have his best Maverick season, but mm-hmm. you know I, I don't think we're there yet to say that he is for sure going to have that. You know he's thirty-two and still has that Achilles and hasn't been the same since. Um, it, it's a matter of how much how you know how much Luca does and how quickly he adjusts. It's a matter of how big of a step Dennis can take. So I think there's still a lot of questions about that starting lineup. And individually, you can look at every player and be pretty happy about where they stand um, as as players and what they potentially could do. But until it all comes together and all comes together, you know in in a five-man unit you don't know that for sure
1: Mm. I think my biggest concern is shooting overall just the the talent of the shooters Um, and this can be solved I know it can be solved just by a a holistic way of better ball movement better looks uh, a better center running pick and roll better distributor uh, in Luca but I mean Early in the season and I mean most probably most of the season, they're gonna be relying on Wes to knock down a lot of threes because he's such a voice in that locker room. Um, he's done it before. He actually had a pretty good season last year shooting the ball. Uh, but he's exceptionally streaky. I mean, there were thirty-six games last year where he made two or fewer threes, which is basically him not having that big of an impact on the offensive end of the bat or positive impact I should say on the offensive end of the court. Um, And if your optimum offense is either pick and roll, kick weak side, or reset, pick and roll, kick weak side again, Wes is the final variable in that formula a lot of the times. So I know they can fix it. I think Rick can manufacture enough weird shooting lineups and enough looks where Harrison Barnes might be that guy out there. Um, And there might be some games where Wes shoots 507 and wins the game for him and the pick and roll is unstoppable because of the kick out and because he's on fire but he's just a really really streaky shooter to be your best shooter in your starting lineup to me um they were top five last year in catch and shoot points they were top six in catch and shoot percentages so i think they can do it it's just one of those things where you're this is either who you are as a team or it's not, and nothing can really tell you until you're about 10 games into the season and you see the ball movement and it flying around and DeAndre's you know, sucking defenses into the, into the paint. So it's, it's something I'm going to worry about until we're 10, 20 games in and I go, okay, we're shooting a ton of threes and we're making an you know, above league
3: average percentage. Because
0: you know they're going to shoot
3: 30 or yeah, they're 30, do 35 things. a night. I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're going to take a lot, so they've got to make them. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine is kind of a version of Tim's. Um, I think this team has a very high floor. And I think the whole will be better than the sum of its parts, but I'm just not sure how many nights, how many games out of 82 they'll have the best player on the floor, because in a regular season matchup, sometimes like you just lose a game because the other team's best player just destroyed you all night, and I don't know if they have anyone who can match a star level production um, if someone else is going at them. And I think Luca at some point will be able to get there, but I don't think he's there. I don't think he'll be there this season. Uh, same with Dennis, and then Harrison while he's extremely consistent, doesn't ever really reach that next level as far as, like, I'm just going to beat you by myself. And I think a lot of times when you're facing the better teams, uh, the upper echelon teams, that's where you lose games because you just do not have the overall talent production to match up for 48 minutes. But I think they'll be able to compete, like, obviously, with anyone that's in their kind of talent level, but I just don't think they can kick it into a higher gear.
0: Yeah, so if we're all kind of in agreement that nobody's going to get to 20 points per game or maybe even 18 or 19 points, and that means that everybody has to score their average like every night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if Barnes has an off night and gets to, you know, six or eight
1: points, then. Yeah. Yeah. That's, some, that's something interesting. I hadn't really thought about it is heading into a fourth quarter going, okay, yeah. I know Donovan Mitchell is going to drop 10 this quarter. Yeah. Who's yeah. going to do that? I know Russell Westbrook's about to score 10 points on us no matter what.
0: And Barnes has now. been that guy. Right. He, he, but he hasn't been that guy for 82 games straight. Yeah. He'll, yeah, he'll do it for And that's 40. why they lost
3: so many lo- close games last year. Last year they had mm-hmm. lost more close games than any team in the last 10 years. And a lot of times you have to have that guy that's just gonna like, okay, I'm just going to drag us from mm-hmm. here on out and finish it. So. Okay.
0: Yeah, my concern is actually kind of like Tim's and, and Austin's as well. Uh, if Dirk is going to miss any time, then the bench might not be plus 20 per 100 possessions. They might be plus 8 or plus 9. And in that case, the starters can't play to a draw. They have to outscore teams. Too often last year when the Benchina came in, you know, they were, they were coming in in a hole, so they, they can't be digging themselves out every night. Okay. Let's turn it. Uh, Positive. Let's, let's flip the coin again. Turn and, that and frown upside down. <laughs> yeah, let's flip the coin again and get heads this time. Uh, Austin, I'll start with you because I know you love positivity. Oh, thank you. What is the
3: Mavericks' greatest strength? I think their greatest strength is that they have very defined roles. Uh, Carl does a great job of making sure that everyone knows what their job is on this team. And I think everyone on the team understands who the, playmakers are, where the minutes are going to come from, who the starters are, who the bench guys are. Everyone on the bench knows their specific role on the bench, and a lot of times that's the biggest issue with basketball teams. Even if You have all the talent in the world. If you don't know where shots are coming from, if you don't know where your minutes are coming from, if you don't know what you're supposed to do on the offensive end, it can create a lot of confusion, and that's where you lose games because you're just not on the same page. And I think they're going to beat a lot of teams just because they're competent for 48 minutes. They all know what they're doing, and they all are going to do their job, and that's going to win you a lot of games in the regular season. Um, And I think Rick just does a Good job of creating like a good framework for everyone to be their best self.
2: I'd say the biggest strength is this podcast, but hey. beyond that. <laughs> Thank you. Beyond that, there's there, there a it's specifically Mike Marshall. A Thank few you. things pop to mind. I think I'll, I'll I'll talk about the rim runners that they have. I I don't know if there's any team that can play 48 minutes of Pick and roll centers rolling to the rim who are as good at finishing as the combination of DeAndre and Dwight Powell. The only team that pops to mind is maybe Norlands with uh, Julius Randle as as well as of course Anthony Davis who might be the best uh, role man in the league. So if I had to say someone uh, you know say point out one thing I think that's the thing I would point out and I think that's a you know, it's a, it's a very real strength. And I think it also goes back to your concern. They're going to have a lot of open threes. It's a matter of whether they're going to have enough good shooting to knock down those open threes because defenses have to collapse. They have mm-hmm. to. At some point, if, you, if you're always playing against someone who can throw it down or otherwise finish in, you know, a creative and clever way, you have to collapse, you know, from your shooters and, and prevent that. And it's going to leave a lot of open threes for people like J.J. Berea and Devin Harris and Wes Matthews.
1: Yeah, that's. I think they can create open looks. It's, you know... If you give me 100 open looks, I'm going to hit 35 of them. It doesn't matter if no one's in my vicinity or not. So um, the greatest strength to me is their depth, their balance, and their ability to play just about any brand of basketball you want to play. If you want to go small, we can play small with you. We can put Luke at four. Uh, we can throw Dwight Powell in there at five. Uh, if you want to play spread, we can play spread. If you want to play big, we have the, we have Maxi can barely get off the bench on this team uh this is this is a different kind of roster for them and for you know there's there's a set number of ways that teams are going to try to attack you or what kind of game they're going to play or what you can take advantage of and i think about 85 percent of those scenarios i check the box in which the mavericks can do a uh, satisfactory job um, because of the different styles i do wish There is one that does concern me. There is one style of basketball and one kind of lineup that does worry me, and it's something that nobody besides Boston can do right now, which is play basically four wings, Um, three true wings, and then another, you know, a point guard and a big. That kind of worries me because the wing depth on this team, and for 80% of the teams in the NBA, just isn't where you want it to be. That's what everyone's looking for guy can play two through four, knock down the three, create his own shot. Well, that's a nice player. Yeah, that's why they get drafted first overall. That's why they get the max money. That's it's a why, nice idea of a yeah. player. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't reach free agency, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. But those lineups do exist now. They're out there. Um, and on Toronto some, has a sneaky version of it. They do. They yeah. do. They do. There, there's a couple of them out there, and you just can't do anything to them. You just don't have the versatility on the roster to roll out three guys that can defend those guys and score with them. And it's really unique, but it's, it's something that's becoming more prevalent, and the good teams are going to find a way to get to – I think it's a, I think we're getting away from four shooters on the court type thing to almost four wings on the court type basketball. Um, and I think that's kind of like the next evolution that Boston introduced us to last year out of basically triage because they had to. Yeah. But it's super interesting, and it's a hella fun way to watch basketball. It's
2: free Darko basketball at free. its finest. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's right. Okay. Number one, the
0: last question. Start the drum roll or the put put on what the your the, greatest strength. Put on the dramatic. You didn't oh, okay. You. Sorry, my well, greatest strength. Get to a meeting, but still answer
1: the question. They they
0: have. Well, I, I'm kind of in agreement with every. I mean, they okay. have the power to create a favorable shot. Literally every time down the floor, if mm-hmm. things work well, right? It's either going to be a dunk or a layup or an open three or a step into a wide open 18 footer. Every single time. I mean, they can, they can get a, a shot they'll be happy with, unlike the last couple seasons, the last three or four years, really, literally anytime they want. The question is, can they execute it? Can they be patient enough? If they're down 12, can they stay true to their system? That's one thing that makes the bench unit so good. It's all these vets that understand, like, there's 10 minutes left in the second quarter. We might be down 12 points, but we're, if we just keep doing what we're doing, then we'll start cutting into the lead. So can the young guys ride, roll with the punches? Uh, and stay true to the system, and I think that's going to be kind of Rick's greatest—not challenge, but project of the season—is you know keeping Dennis and Luca committed to generating the best shot possible every single time down the floor, because that's ultimately what's going to get you points. Whenever you don't have that transcendent talent yet, okay. Uh, you pause the dramatic music, so restart the dramatic music right now. Number one, Michael, start with you. Give me the Mavs record this season.
1: Uh, no. Mavs record this season will be 42 and 40. Okay. I know the, uh, the Vegas over under early line was like 34 and a half, and I kind of laughed at that. They and just don't I, know nothing. Yeah, they don't know anything. I, wanted to, I definitely wanted to quote tweet it with the, uh, no, baby, what is you doing meme? <laughs> but, uh, and then I saw Sportsline put their own out, and I think it was like 40 and a half. And I was like, okay, that's pretty. Yeah. They ran through. They did their one trillion and a half projections or whatever they do, and it was 40 and a half. And I was like, okay, I can live with that. I'm going to say 42 and 40. Um, I think they're going to be last two weeks of the season playing for a playoff position. Playoff spot, eighth seed, seventh seed. I think it's going to be real messy. And uh, I feel like this team is a little bit better than people realize. They don't, the normal rules that apply to rookies that are going to be playing that large amount of minutes um, don't really apply to Luka. Uh, They don't realize what Rick Carlisle has had to do for the last five years without a real center. Um, And just, the nonsense that had to happen with this lineup and how they had to wait for the perfect shot how they couldn't get out and run and how you gotta get back on defense and just everything kinda fed into we're shorthanded in the starting five so i gotta do all these tricks i think rick gets freed up he frees up the lineups uh... the ball moves around way better than it has in a long time and this is a really fun exciting team that heads into next season as one of the teams you're looking at over the off season. going what are they gonna do this offseason they take another step forward are they gonna you know pull a pull a utah and jump up uh one season like that so 42 and 40 i think i'm pretty comfortable with
3: awesome i'm gonna go with 43 and 39. wow do, he'll do you one better machine one better i think they're Hot. just they're just gonna pick up a lot of wins off of just being a really competent basketball team like it just they're not gonna they're not gonna mess up most nights. And that's honestly that'll take you so far. That's how the Spurs win so many games because they just don't they don't mess up, they don't play bad basketball, they don't miss assignments, and I think this team's gonna be really solid, really consistent, especially between Wes, Barnes, and DeAndre. Those are all very, very like good veterans who stay healthy, who know how to play basketball. And a lot of times that just that just matters. And then I think Dennis and Lucas are really just gonna decide if it's gonna be 41 games if it's going to be 46 games 47 games like that's going to be really the difference how good they are how much How big of a step, step forward they take but as you guys said like carl's never had this many toys in his toy box before And he's gonna be able to just do all sorts of crazy gimmicks and crazy defenses and crazy lineups against whatever teams coming into town that night And just most teams can't match up with you with that different different styles um, on any given night So I think I think there's gonna be a very solid basketball team I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs, but I think they'll be right there, like towards the last couple weeks of the season.
2: I feel good that it's gonna be between thirty-seven and forty-three. I'll say forty-one. Forty-one's a good number. It's five hundred. It's Dirk's number. It's a good number. I think that's what they should be aiming for. I, th- I think that they want you know, that they should look at themselves and say we are a winning basketball club, and that's forty-one, just about. I mean, I guess it's forty-two technically, but that they should. They should finish 500 or better. That should be the goal. I, I could see them falling a little bit under that, but I, but I think the team's going to be right around there. Hmm. I think they're sealing their roof, if you will, uh, 45. What if the
1: ceiling is the roof, though. Yeah. Well, then they're winning the championship. We don't
0: maybe. have to do yeah. this. I think uh, <laughs> I, I I could see in my most optimistic, I could see them winning like 45, 46 games, where everything
2: everything rolls. They don't deal with injuries. Less optimistic they're than the Mavericks themselves on well, the record. I mean, I think the difference between 46 <laughs> and 48
0: is, what well, a couple buzzer beaters. So, you know, get ready for that. But, you know, 45-46 wins I think would be very good. I think that's probably enough to get you certainly the 8th seed, uh, depending on who you ask, and possibly the 7th or even higher. Uh, at my most pessimistic, let's say, you know, injuries bite them and, and things just don't really work for the first couple months of the year, maybe they're down at 35 or 36. So, uh, like you, Tim, I split the difference. I say 41-41, the number 9 seed, do it for Dirk. He's a number 41 he was the number nine pick um, this season is all about him so 41 I think could be a, a good projection anything better than that is obviously gravy um, I think they have a chance to be to be very good do and un- unfortunately in the West 41 wins is usually a very good team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just not a great team yeah 40, 41 in the west is
1: worth like almost 50 in the east do we want to load up the hot take cannon before we yeah yeah fire we leave?
0: Every, off.
3: everybody give their wildest. Hot take for the I, season? I, I have my take loaded up and ready. Get <laughs> okay. ready. You Let's was. hear it. I can see it. This is the best roster <laughs> they've had since 2011. Wow. Clearly. That like, is a hot take. I think it's better than the 2014 team, better than the 2015 team, better than the 2012 team. And the fifty win, the fifty win. Monte Parsons, mm-hmm. Calderon. I think I'd, Samuel
1: Dellinbear. <laughs> <laughs> shout that was, out. That was that was
3: Sean
0: Marion, not Parsons. Oh, you was buy it? Oh. That was Mavs legend Sean Marion on that team.
3: Yeah, I think this is just the most talent they've had since the championship level t- like team, and I'm not sure they're gonna have as much success as those 2013 and like 2015 teams. But this is the most talent they've had since the championship. Mm. Mine is. <laughs> <Damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is.
1: Uh, they're going to be lists. Okay, so there's, like, All-Star. Everyone knows how people pick that. I think there's going to be uh, first left off the All-Star team, like, what are you doing? Luca's going to be wow. on so many of those lists. Wow. I feel like the hype is going to be – he's going to have a couple triple-doubles, um, and I feel like the hype beast is going to be out of control he's gonna with He's going to be him. a
0: lot of youngest player 2X. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be making news every single night, and if he, you know, does <laughs> – Drops 16-10 uh, and 10 a couple times. I mean, we saw with the preseason game. I mean, people are just eating it up. I mean, he's, the hype is real. People are so excited about him that I feel like uh, the, even if he has, you know, marginal stats, I feel like it's going to be just inflated to a point where people are talking about him every single day on a national scope.
0: Certainly going to be a lot of gifts of him. Yeah. Thanks to me and
2: you, Mike. Mm-hmm. It's all us. Is, is it a hot take to say that the Mavericks were, will lead the league in, I think, both dunks and alley-oops? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That's, a, that's yeah.
0: a fun take. That yeah. A fun. That's a heat take.
2: I think, I mean, it goes, it goes back to the fact that they just have two centers who are elite. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre uh, is rolling. like a dunk lord. Yeah, yeah the he the best had, five. He had, uh, I looked it up today. He had 212 last year, which was one off of Capella, who led the league. Yeah, and he, so he, he had more dunks the than the, the Spurs. The entire yes. Spurs roster. yes. So he will he will get so many dunks. Uh, Dwight Powell will get many dunks. Dennis also. Dennis will get a few dunks. He, he only had about thirty last year, but that's thirty more than you know. It's it's okay. It's probably twenty more than your average point guard. Mm-hmm. So he'll add a few. Luca, just having a ball handler who's six eight leads to extra dunks. Luca's you know he's not gonna be dunking all over the place, but he's not gonna lay it in when he's open just because he's that tall. It's not hard for him to to get up there. So my hot take is
0: that. Oh, man. Sometime after the All-Star He's break, so scared. we're going to look <laughs> up and see. The Mavs are like, they they just cracked the top ten in offensive rating? That is my hot take. At some point might this year, fun. might yeah. not be early. In fact, I'm, I, I don't think they'll do it before New Year's Day. But I think that by the midway point of the season, they will have figured it out and they're just going to cream a, a few teams here in uh, late January, mid-February, and uh, maybe they'll stay up there. Maybe they won't. But I think their, their offensive peak is good enough to where if they can, if they can peak for a month, they're going to be putting up numbers that could, could really uh, raise some eyebrows. And I think Luca will have a lot to do with that. So maybe that's his yeah. all-star snub. If he's, all-star if, he, if he's going like 13, 8, and 6 for three months,
1: then yeah. whew, it could be some good stuff. I mean, you know, it's, and it's not even like on its face. Like a crazy thing to say, because I feel like a lot of guys just kind of duck out of the All Star Game if your ankle's a little sore, you're not playing. So it's not top twelve player in the Western Conference. I think it's top eighteen, top eighteen, top twenty, where people are gonna be like, "What are y'all doing? Why isn't this kid there?" And if they start out hot, I mean, if they take advantage of you know Phoenix without Devin Booker, Atlanta, uh, Minnesota with whatever version of their roster they're rolling out, uh, Chicago. Then you get out there and people are quoting, you gotta have that quotable that that one moment that turns into like a, a meme or you gotta have that stat that everybody can quote, right? Yeah. And if they start out a nice six and one or something like that, and everybody's talking about the Mavericks. Yep. Then you're leading the news mm-hmm. and then it's different. Then it's a different animal. It's not just Yeah, Luca you know. on with S V P. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I I feel like we're gonna have that kind of wave at some point and people are Lucas is gonna be top of mind for everybody that gives a crap about basketball. This was fun, guys.
0: Bobby, can great. I close
2: this out with a twenty-first question? Yeah. Go around with it real quick. Fine. Yes. You, are you supposed to refrigerate hummus? Because <laughs> I've been stirring this hummus <laughs> oh, <laughs> for this entire podcast. There are just to set the scene. There are three containers of hummus just sitting out in the open. Let
1: me give you the extent of my hummus knowledge.
0: You
2: go.
1: dip stuff in it. Refrigerate
0: it. Done. Uh.
2: Yes or no?
1: <laughs>
0: sure. I think sure. I, I don't. I'm Mediterranean roots, but I'm not a big hummus fan.
2: Uh, I think when I see it the story, it's I think right. refrigerated.
3: I've always thought you had to refrigerate. I think real men leave it unrefrigerated. Oh wow! Uh, you you risk, real men. You risk the disease. Real <laughs> men get E. coli, and <laughs> yes. that's that's why our lifespan. <laughs> Somehow <is. laughs> he's turned this into like a red gravy <laughs> debate, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, man, you eat white gravy? Crazy? What's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> All right, yeah, gentlemen. I'm not touching that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm out. That was weird of you f-
2: to bring it in here I, I I at 3 p.m. <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> I've had to stare at it. It's like in my direct line of sight. because I. Have to this like is <laughs> the weird kitchen. I don't it's know what goes on kitchen. back yeah. here. I have to sit in a very specific way for this microphone, and so yeah. it's just like it's been exactly in my eyes for an hour a and a half now. I have a sneaking
1: suspicion that there's a breakdancing gang that comes in here at some point in the afternoon. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't explain this much room and the keyboard and the lights. It's, it's a future
3: podcast studio, man. We've got to clear it up. that's why you're best sports writer in Dallas. Exactly. Just, yeah. Thank you. According to Dallas Observer. <laughs>
0: yeah, best, best hummus observer. Mind, sure existed. mind on the hummus and the hummus on the mind. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys, what, Monday morning, Machine, you'll have something coming out. And also the Mavs will be playing another game in China, looking to go future guests 3-0 in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Tim. Thank you to Austin. You can find them on Twitter, what, Tim underscore Kato, and that's at it. Garuya, that's G-A-R-O-O-Y-A. We will tag them. Uh, on on the tweeter, for I don't know why post. I say his
1: name like I'm introducing him in the starting lineup every time. It's a fun name. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is fun. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. It's an NBA Jam name. All right,
0: guys, thank you for joining us. Mike, thank you for uh, co-piloting with me. We'll catch you guys next week. Feeling is. The week.
1: Oof.